Welcome to the Southbridge Church Podcast, where our mission is leading people to find and follow Jesus. We're thrilled that you are here, and it's our hope that this message will lead you to find and follow Jesus. Take your Bible, if you have one, to the book of Genesis, chapter number three. Genesis, chapter number three. The church today is full of broke and broken people. And at Southridge, we don't want either of them to stay that way. We don't want you to stay broke, and we don't want you to stay broken. But sometimes, there are those in the church space that believe that spirituality is tied to poverty. And I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm also not a poverty preacher. And we're in a season where we are trying to raise millions of dollars And my concern is that God's people and people in general don't know how to steward their finances. They're not able to be generous. They are not making the money that they would like to. They are not set up for retirement. They don't think they'll ever be able to own a home. They're looking at the economic winter that we've entered and they're just praying that they're gonna wake up one day And there's going to be a duffel bag from God filled with gold bars. And they're just like, God, just, I know you can do it. Instead of manna, make it money. That's what I want. You know, God, just give me a duffel bag of money. Or you're hoping that it's like the game of Monopoly. That, you know, every time you you pass go, you collect $200. Or maybe you're hoping, okay, this time at the casino. Yeah, come on, lucky sevens. Or maybe it's playing the lottery. Maybe it's scratchers. And you're just hoping that something will happen that you're just going to make it. And I'm telling you this morning, hope is not a strategy for your finances. But we don't want you to stay broke and broken. And God does not want you to stay broke and broken. And we're going to study that over the next several weeks. Because we're going into a big season where we are taking big steps of faith. And to do that, you and I have to know how to handle our finances. And so I want to teach on that. And I believe that there's many people here that would say, I need a financial breakthrough. I think there's a lot of people here. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But both your hands are figuratively up where you say, yeah, I need a financial breakthrough. I need a financial breakthrough to come through. The average American has lost $7,600 a year due to inflation. And inflation is not slowing down. It's only picking up. So you have $7,600 less to live on. And you already didn't have enough to live on as it is. The average car payment is $723 for a new car right now. If you were to take that same money and you were to put it in an interest-bearing account from the time you're 30 to 70, you would have over $5 million in a Roth IRA. But yet we are broke and broken people, aren't we? We're not saving for the future. We're barely surviving today. And yet every day it seems like we have coffee money. We have McDonald's money. We have our Netflix money. But yet we don't have money for our future. We don't have anything that we can make it so we're like, hey, how am I going to set myself up for what God wants me to do? Because I know our church. Our church wants to be a generous church. Our church wants to hit the goal and exceed the goal, except for the fact that you are praying right now, God, how am I going to pay the utility bill? How am I going to pay my rent? And my children need new shoes. Why is it that kids' shoes wear out so fast? And it's always in one little part of the shoe. It's always where the big toe is. The rest of the shoe is 
fine. And you're like, why is it not wear out evenly? It's like, you know how we rotate our tires to make sure they all wear out? It's like, can I rotate shoes? Can, what do we need to do to fix this? Because they're not wearing out evenly. And I'm just going through pairs of shoes and shoes aren't cheap. And so I want to help us over the next several weeks because I don't want you where I was in 2007. I was making a lot of money. I was the number one salesperson for Verizon in LA and I was doing very well. It was my senior year of college and I was just making a lot of money, but I didn't know the B word, budget. I just didn't know how to budget. There was, there was no budgeting. And I just kind of like just lived however I wanted to live. And so we went to a meeting and my district manager was like, hey, Makai, we are going to feature you because you're the number one selling uh, district, number one selling in our district. And so I want you to come. We're going to celebrate you. It's going to be great. And I'm all excited. I was like, yeah, I'll be there. We met in LA and, and we had a little break in between some of the sessions we were doing and I was feeling good. And so I was like, I took a a big group of my coworkers and peers. I was like, hey guys, I'm going to buy everybody coffee. So go to Starbucks and I tell everybody, hey, order up. And they were like, what size can you get? I was feeling generous. I was like, venti, man, come on. And, and, and you can get a Danish if you want. I was feeling really good. So there's about six or seven people and they'll order and the bill was about $50, $60. Nowadays, you take six or seven people to Starbucks, you need to pull out a second mortgage. It's just like, it's crazy expensive now. $5 for a small coffee that tastes burnt and black. No, thank you. It's not even good. Not even good. And so I went there and then you know what you do? You pull out your wallet and you get your debit card or your credit card. Swipe. And then I'm just chatting with my friends and everything. And then the lady, <clears throat> she's like, oh, sir, uh, sir, it, it declined. And then you know where you do, you, you know you rub it on your clothes like there's something wrong with the card. <laughs> and then you, you, you're, you're silently praying that the magnetic friction you're creating is putting money in that account. Because I was making a lot of money, but I was spending a lot of money, and I was praying, okay, second swipe will do it. Second swipe, declined. And I got all these people that had just ordered their food, and they're standing behind me. And then I'm thinking, okay, the third time, this card's got to work. Why do we think it didn't work on the first, didn't work on the second? For some reason, though, we're just like, oh, it's going to magically work on the third time. And you were just praying, like, dear Lord, uh, save me from this embarrassment. And my district manager, he read the situation brilliantly. And he quickly slid his card in. I was like, oh, thank you. Those are embarrassing situations, aren't those? But that's small compared to the fact that the holidays are coming and you don't know how to get Christmas presents for your kids. Thanksgiving's coming and you don't know if you can afford finances to have a nice meal with your family. You don't know how you're going to make it. You have more month than you have money. And so this morning, I want to kick off a series that I believe is going to help us. There's a great quote by Jim Mott. He said, if you want to become rich, you can do so by having more or spending less. You want to become rich, you can do so by either having more or spending less. And here's what I want to challenge us this morning. If someone else has learned how to be rich, you can too. And that's our problem because when it comes to poverty, I want you to understand it is a mentality. And we have to get out of a mentality. We have to get out of a thinking because maybe you grew up thinking, no, 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 I didn't go to college, so I can't make a good living. No, I didn't have the right connection, so I can't get anywhere. No, I don't have the right skill set. You need to break free from all of that because I want to 
over the next several weeks, unpack my story. And my story is not one where I was born with a silver spoon and I was a trust fund baby. I mean, we trusted baby. Oh, we trusted God for sure. But I was not a trust fund baby because we were broke, had no money. I know what it's like when Jane and I got married and we're sitting by the side of the bed, no furniture in the apartment, no food in the refrigerator, but we had crackers and cheese whiz and we're having date night with crackers and cheese whiz. And you know, we look back on it and at the time it's kind of like funny, but it's like at the same time, it's kind of sad. And you're like, hey, we got through it. It's a funny memory. But I believe that God wants more. And I want to show you from scripture how God wants to help us with this. So we need to start asking ourselves the question, what don't I know? What don't I know? Warren Buffett is not smarter than you. And some of you just make this excuse. Warren Buffett's just smarter. Elon Musk, you just say, oh, he's just smarter. Jeff Bezos, oh, he's just smarter. I need you to understand, God has given us a brilliant mind that you can figure these things out and you can learn these things. And here's a special scripture for you. I want to put it up on the screen. Let's read it together. I'll read it out loud and you follow along. It's Isaiah 48. It should be the first slide. It says this. Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who what? Help me out one more time. Teaches. Teaches, which means we can learn this, correct? Yes. Teaches you to what? Prophet. That word is exactly what you think it is. God is a God that wants to teach you to profit who leads you by the way you should go. When it comes to our finances, God is saying, I want to teach you to profit and I want to show you the way that you should go. This should get all of us excited. Because for too long, we felt like, no, God just wants me to be sad, broke, and just kind of wear the handy downs, and I'm just, must be more spiritual because I'm broke. No. And I know you've heard the adage, oh, rich people, they're not happy. Are you sure about that? Jeff Bezos looks pretty happy on that mega yacht. He paid to have a bridge in Norway or somewhere torn down and rebuilt so he could get his super yacht out he looks to be having a good time. Don't fool yourself. It is kind of fun to have a little bit of money. Let's not lie. We're not too spiritual. You're in church. It's a little bit fun. Come on, let me see your hands. How many of you had fun when you had money? It's fun. How many of you are having fun when you're broke? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's having fun when they're broke. But you and I, we could step back and say, okay, all right, I don't need to be excessive when it comes to my finances, yet I do want to have enough to meet my needs, to be generous, to give to kingdom causes, to take care of my family. There's that thought, and I want to help us get there. But yet for too long, many people think, oh, here it comes. Church is talking about money. The church just wants your money. My friend, each and every Sunday, nobody charges around here. There's free donuts, there's free coffee. Oftentimes we do free meals, free childcare for an hour and a half. And not once do we come up to you afterward and say, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's gonna be 50 bucks. No, there are people, and, and, and I'm gonna be honest with your church, and I know we got guests here, and I'm, I'm, I love you, and I'm your friend, and I'm glad you're here. However, there are those of us that call Southridge home, but yet 20% of the people pay for all of this, just so you know. 20% of those that attend the church pay for everything. And not once do we guilt trip anybody that you didn't give anything. Not once does one of our ushers look at somebody and as they're given, say, mm, <clears throat> you know, we don't do that. Nobody does that. So when you hear somebody say, oh, the church just wants your money. Both my vehicles are pushing 200,000 miles. And I'm happy with it. I mean, they don't work very well, but 
Nobody's here trying to get your money. But now let's say you were to go to your favorite restaurant. He said, I just want to experience my favorite restaurant. I just want to experience the atmosphere of Grandview. And you're going to go up to Grandview, up by Man Hamilton. He's like, I just want to experience your surf and turf, your filet mignon with a lobster tail. And at the end of your experience, what's that waiter going to do? They're bringing you a little piece of paper, aren't they? And they're going to add up what your experience cost. And then they're going to set it so sweetly and kindly down to your table. And they're going to say, whenever you're ready. And you're like, yeah, yeah, in about 50 years, I'll be ready. What if you looked at that waiter and just said, oh, no, no, I'm just here to experience Grandview. I'm just here to experience the texture of the filet mignon. I'm just here to just try your finest vintage of whatever. No, no, no. They're going to say, well, that experience ain't free. So are you washing dishes or you got a credit card or what are we doing here? Because you've got to pay. Business is about money. Southridge is about ministry. Let me say it again. Business is about money. Southridge is about ministry. We have an orphanage in India that we built. We've got missionaries in the Philippines. We've got missionaries in South America. We've got missionaries over in England. We've got missionaries right here that we support. We've got them in China. We've got them all over. We are supporting ministry. We also support Foster the Bay. They are one of the largest Christian foster agencies that now has gone all over the state of California and they're growing. That we support, we help out, we fund, we get behind. We also get behind local places. We've supported PACE, Pacific Autism Center for Education. We've gotten behind these agencies. Understand, Southridge is not here because we just want your money, honey. That's not what it's about. Rebuke that thought right now. But I do want to teach on some things and help us this morning, okay? So let's dive in. You, you have your Bibles to Genesis chapter number two. Notice if you would, beginning in verse number eight, the Bible says this. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it parted and became four river heads. How many rivers? Four. Four, thank you. The name of the first was Pishon. It is one which skirts the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. Bedellum and onyx stones are there. The name of the second river is Gihon, which is the one where it goes around the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hedikul, and it is the one which goes towards the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. I need to stop there just for a moment. The words tend and keep literally means to make and save. God said, I'm going to put you in the garden. I want you to make something, and then I want you to save something. Those are the essence of finances. You need to be able to make something, and you need to be able to save something. Right at the very beginning, God starts talking about finances. God doesn't wait. God kicks it off from Genesis. So when people say, oh, no, 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 the Bible's not about money. It's not about it. No, no, no. We need to see that God's going to put some principles here. And I want you to see this. First of all, notice the four rivers. I learned this recently, and it's powerful, powerful truth. Those four rivers, you want to know the names, the meaning behind the names? First of all, the Pishon River means to increase that's what that river means. I would write this down. It's fascinating. First of all, Pishon means to increase. Gishon means bursting. Tigris means rapid. And Euphrates means fruitful. These are all economic terms. 
God is saying, I fed the Garden of Eden with four streams. I want to teach you today because we grew up in a time that no longer can you rely on one stream of income, can you? You can't make it here in one stream of income unless that one stream is a very powerful stream. I, I wanted to set up a table. I just didn't get time. But there's tables that they have one leg in the center that holds up the whole table. And you and I, we have a financial future. And that financial future rests on something. And you could say, I'm retired and my financial future rests on my 401k or it rests on my social security. Everyone here has a financial future and it rests on something. Now, here's the problem. Gone are the days where you could rely on one leg of that table. What happens when you knock out that leg? It used to be before the 80s that, and this is not a chauvinist statement, but oftentimes the main breadwinner was the man, the husband. He would go and work, and he would bring home the bacon to the family. And the family did well. You could have a new car every couple of years. You could have a, a decent home. You could go on a nice little vacation. You could take care of clothes and groceries. And then we had to get to the point where you needed two streams of income to kind of make it. And nowadays, it seems that even if you have two streams of income, it's very difficult to make it. And so what do we do? I want us to notice right here, there is four streams that feed the garden. I want you to start thinking that where can I create other streams of income? Where can I create other streams of income? And not just be relying on the one, because here's what I would love for you to think. It's a poverty mentality, so here's what I want you to think. I want you to think, how can I outwork or pay off my nine-to-five job? How can, I, how can I pay that off so I don't have to work for somebody else? How can I create other revenue streams? Because the Garden of Eden had these different streams, these four rivers that fed it. And I want you to start thinking, all right, I got my job over here. That's my W-2. But is there another way I could create another stream? The financial term would be how many down verticals can you create where you're increasing and making money? And some of you don't realize that there's multiple things. You say, I, don't, I didn't go to college. I don't have all these skills. But yet you have a hobby that you may be able to monetize. You may be artsy and you may be able to sell something on an Etsy or you may be able to make something. You could sell it. There's all types of ways. But yet when you get locked into the stream of thinking that, oh man, it's got to be my W-2. That's going to provide. I want you to see that God is saying, I created a garden for Adam and Adam's job was to make and save. But God was feeding this garden. And just like a river, it moves. And that's true with our money. Our money needs to move. Stagnant money doesn't make money. But let's look at this. First of all, principle number one. And these, there's no key to success, but there's a combination. Here's a combination. First of all, notice if you would, God's blessings are found within God's boundaries. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for the day that you eat, you shall surely die. God's blessings are found within God's boundaries. So God's going to set up a boundary for two things. First of all, we need to start making money God's way. You and I can hit the streets right now and we can find out some illegal ways to make money. We could do that, but that does not honor God. And if you want God's blessing on your finances, you need to make money God's way. So there's a right way and a wrong way to make money. And our culture is blurring the lines on what is right and what is wrong. And you say, well, I'm not selling drugs and I'm not selling myself. But yet we have a growing problem where there are people that will cheat their time cards. 
They'll be dishonest where you are saying you're working a a full-time job and you're a salaried employee, but yet you don't put 40-hour or 50-hour work week. You know that you are quiet quitting and you're putting in five to 10 hours of work. And and that's, that's a big problem for Christians. Here's a thought to think on. Up until the 80s, if you were a Christian and you told your employee you're a Christian, that was a value add. People are like, oh, I like hiring Christians. They're honest. They show up to work on time. That was the 80s. Early 90s, it was net neutral if you were a Christian. You told your boss, I'm a Christian. That's net neutral. Your boss is like, "Uh, okay, great. Nowadays, go to Google and tell Google, I'm applying for this position, but I go to church each and every Sunday, and I love Jesus with all my heart, and uh, I I obey and I believe the Bible. Is that going to help you or hurt you? Be honest. It's going to hurt you because now Christianity is a net negative in culture. It's no longer a net positive. It's no longer net neutral. It's a net negative. And so you and I, why? Because Christians, and still 52 to 53% of Americans claim to be evangelical Christians, but yet we are not honest when we show up to work, when we tell our boss we're going to be there. And so the boss is looking at Christians saying, I don't want to work with Christians. Matter of fact, you've hired a contractor, and on their business card, it had the little fish, and you were like, oh, good, a Christian contractor. And then your kitchen never got remodeled, but he took his deposit and he's gone. And you're like, I can't believe I work with that Christian. And now what, what are they doing? They're making it harder for all Christians. So when it, when it comes to God's blessings, we need to understand God's blessings are within his boundaries. God sets up a boundary and God said, I've got this whole garden you could have. I want you to enjoy the garden. And so God wants you to make money God's way. So you don't always need more resources But sometimes you just need to be more resourceful. Sometimes it's not about having more resources. And some of you are praying, God, give me more resources. And God is asking you to be more resourceful. Do you have a garage filled with junk? Go sell it. I I laugh because I love selling stuff online. I'm not as good as Peter, but I I, I like selling stuff. And sometimes I'll be selling stuff. And then my wife will be like, what are you selling? I'm like, oh, I got this old thing and I'm selling it for $5. And then Jane would be like, okay. And I'll be like, hey, somebody's coming to buy it. And she's like, okay, so, so somebody's coming to our home and the best that we're gonna get is $5. The worst is it could be an ax murderer and we all get murdered in our sleep. And you're sending to our home and the best case is you made $5. There's a whole lot of risk here. But the, the thought is this though, you and I, we can make money. We're just not resourceful. And you and I just want to rely on someone else to help us out instead of saying, how can I be resourceful? I want you to understand this. Money avoids those who don't value their time. If you don't value your time, money doesn't value you. You and I need to understand that there's a budget and a schedule. Both of them work together and we need to work inside these boundaries. And I'm going to just drop things that may seem more like a seminar, but these things all coincide. Secondly, write this down. Make money God's way, but understand that money needs to move God's way. Write this down if you take notes. Money is useless until you take it and put it to use. Money is useless until you take it and put it to use. Right now, you could take $100,000 and go to Chase and say, I want to lock this up on a CD. They're going to give you 0.3% interest on that for six months. You could take that exact same $100,000 and you could put it where the church puts our money. You can lock it up for the exact same amount of time and you can get 4.7% return on your investment. You see, money needs to move. 
And some of you are, you got the mattress stuffed with hundreds. You're not making any money off of that. That's a liability. Yes, have some money on hand. But understand, money only makes money if it's moving. It's like a river. And some of us don't understand money needs to be like a river, like these four streams. Instead, it's not a river, it's a reservoir. It's just sitting there. And what happens to a reservoir if there's no movement? It starts to stink. It starts to stagnate. And it's not making you any money. And so you and I as Christians, you understand, not only do we need to make money God's way, we need to move it. Money should move. No one has ever saved their way to wealth. And some people feel like, oh, I can, I can, I can save my way to wealth. I want us to understand something. When it comes to our finances, I'm blown away today. I'm blown away. Because I see people with J's and they don't have a job. And I'm using slang. Those are Jordans. $150 pair of shoes that can go up to thousands of dollars depending on the addition, depending, depending on if you haven't creased them. Do you still have the box? Are you still in mint condition? And do they, I kid you not, do they smell like Jordans? Because if they smell like your foot, they're not worth as much. But if they still have like that new car, new, new Jordan smell, they're worth a whole lot more. All right? And I, and I talk to people and I'm like, where do you work? Because you, you got expensive shoes. And they said, I don't have a job. Well, where'd you get those nice shoes? My parents but your parents are in debt. Why are you wearing those shoes? My parents, bless their heart, never would have let me wear Jordans. Never. They were like, we can either buy groceries this month or at the end of the month, we'll just eat the laces off your shoes. What would you want us to do? But yet we've got a values problem in America that's totally wrong. I'm amazed at the nice cars in the worst neighborhoods. I'm amazed at the nice clothes on people that I know are in debt. Because why? What are we doing? We're falling for this trap. You've heard it. I'm going to repeat it. Here's the thing. We need to stop buying stuff we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like and don't even know. That's the American problem. That's consumerism in a nutshell. Jane and I can live way above the way we live. I'll tell you that right now. But we wouldn't be able to be a part of kingdom work the way we're a part of kingdom work. Church, I want to give you a testimony. This is not to brag on me, but this is to brag on God. The last two years of our combined W-2s, we've given more away than we made on our W-2s. Figure that out. You can do it. I'm not skinny. I'm not skinny bones. I have two paid off cars. I took a Hawaiian vacation last year. And yes, I do own a pair of J's paid off. They don't smell very good, but I'm not suffering. Here's the thing, church. We are in a mentality that says, oh, I can't afford it. If I give to the kingdom builders offering, I'm gonna be so broke. No. No, no, no. You need to change the way your mentality, the way you look at finances. Because Jane and I, years ago, set a plan. We said, you know what? We want to get to the point where we are giving. I'm the cheapest staff member this church has ever had. <laughs> Understand, we wanted, but that took planning back in 2018. We made this plan. We said, you know, we want to be able to give more than we take. We want to do more. And guess what? Our kids are in private school. You can do it, but it's a mentality and it's saying, hey, what do I have to change to make this work? What do I have to do? Because I'm sick and tired of Christians being broken, broken. Because understand, I did not go to some great college 
I'm not this amazing person that's all gifted. No, I've made my fair share of mistakes that are financially that have cost me, but I'm telling you, if you grab these principles, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, this goal of $12 million, our church will surpass it if the church family understands these principles. Because I'm tired of Christians saying, oh, I'm just too broke to give, I just can't give. But yet, here's the thing you cannot fake, my friend. A Christian cannot fake it in their finances. You say, what do you mean? I can tell what you really love if you were to let me look at your bank statements, your credit card statements. I can tell you what's important. Because some of us feel like we need the Netflix subscription. You don't need it. Some of us feel like we need Amazon Prime for $120 a year. You don't actually need it. Some of us feel like we need this $723 a month car payment. You don't need it. And you and I are trying to live way above that we're able to. And God's saying, no, no, no. There's a way that you can have your blessing, but you got to live within boundaries. And boundaries is the same word as budget. And we don't know how to live in a budget these days. It just comes in and it goes out. And God wants to help you with that. You see, you can't earn your way out of stupidity. And I feel like a lot of people, we're just not being wise with where our finances are going. And God wants to help us. Secondly, when you go outside the boundaries, the blessings turn into burdens. Chapter three, you know the story. Then Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree, which I commanded you saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it in all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field in the sweat of your face. You shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of the, out of, it were you taken from dust you are and to dust you will return. When you step outside of the boundaries, the blessing turns into a burden. We started off saying that God said, go into the garden, tend it and keep it. That was to make and to save. Now what's God saying? Hey, you're gonna do that, but it's gonna be much harder. God turned the blessing into a burden because he stepped out of the boundary. And some of you, because you have not followed financial principles God's way, or you're like me, never learned them. Never learned them. Didn't open up a book. Because remember how I started this? If somebody else learned it, you can learn it. You don't need to pay for a $10,000 course. You can go listen to podcasts. You can go and get some books at the library. You can listen to Dave Ramsey. You can go listen to Tony Robbins. There are people that will help you financially. There's no reason you and I should be broke. If you are young and able to work and to get gain, God is saying, you've got a potential. So young people, this is where I would listen up because you may go to your college and the college is like, oh yeah, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer. Yeah, and then come out with 400000 dollars worth of student debt at an interest rate of over 20%. So there's no way you could pay that off. It just keeps compounding and it's a compounding interest and it's not something that you can get forgiven. You can file chapter 11 bankruptcy. Do you know it does not apply to your student debt? You, you didn't know that, did you? Chapter 11 absolves all your debt except for student debt. And some of you are like, well, well, well Biden said he's just going to forgive it all. I would not bet on that. I do think education should be one of those things that we should get free in this country. However, the reality, the economics of it just don't work that way. I would like a lot of things to be free. I'd like Disneyland to be free. But the economics just don't work that way. So you have to de deal with the cards that you're dealt. And you and I can say, you know what? 
I can make money. I can be an entrepreneur. I can learn these things. And I can make money. And I don't have to be worried about these things because you and I need to take control of our financial future. But here's the hardest thing. We withhold from God often. And this is where I'm driving to. Adam and Eve said, we like this garden, but we're gonna do this without God. Because what did Satan tell Adam and Eve? He said, you're gonna be like God. So they were like, that sounds good. I'll be my own God and I won't need him. And some of us feel like we could be our own God and not do it God's way. And when it comes to our finances, we need to say, God, I wanna do these things your way. Malachi says this, will a man rob God Yet you have robbed me. But you say, where have we robbed you? In tithes and offering. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail be... uh, Bear fruit in the field, so the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you will be delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. We've neglected the tithe. I hear people, they come to me and they say, oh, pastor, yeah, I'm tithing. I get about a third of my income. That's not a tithe. Tithe literally means tenth, a tenth of our income. Now, maybe you're thinking, oh, okay, well, well, I, I just, I think the tithe is all law. Oh, you can't even see that. You can't see any of this. I thought I could write on this. I meant to get a whiteboard. Anyway, that didn't work. It's always good to test things before on Sundays. <laughs> you and I are thinking law. Well, Old Testament's law. We don't live under the law. And you're correct. We don't live under the law. You're absolutely right. We don't live under the law. And we see, well, Malachi, that's Old Testament. So I'm, I'm exonerated. I don't have to live under the law. But understand what Jesus did in Matthew number, in chapter number five. You see, the law said, thou shalt not murder. The law said, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not cover. That's the law, correct? Correct. But in Matthew chapter number five, Jesus says, if you look at your brother and have hatred in your heart, it's like you murdered your brother. Understand, here's a principle. He's saying under the law, murder was, you took a person's life. Under the New Testament, under love, just you saying I hate somebody is the same as committing murder. Love requires more. Under the law, he said committing adultery. That is, a, that is two people taking out, stepping outside of their marital covenant and, and, and acting immoral. That, that's adultery. But Jesus in Matthew 5 said, if a man looks at a woman to lust after her, he's committed adultery in his heart. So love costs more. Let me take it further. Under the law, you had to sacrifice a lamb to get atonement for your sin. New Testament, Jesus Christ being the spotless, sinless lamb of God, he gave his life because love demands more than the law. And yet you and I are sitting over here as Christians saying, I don't want to live under the law. You don't. You're right. You don't. You live under love. So love requires more. So the tithe means that's the floor, not the ceiling. The tithe is my starting point. And I'll be honest with you guys, I struggled with this one for a long time until I got married because I didn't think I could afford a tithe. I did not think I could afford a tithe. Can we turn on the whole house lights? They just dimmed. Let's, let's keep on the house lights. And yet when I realized that, yes, I could tithe, my, that's when my finances turned around. Is when I said, I'm going to put God first because here's what I learned. 
Even though I had bills, oh, lights are doing all kinds of fun things. This is great. We're having fun. Understand this. When you say, God, you're first, you have money if God is first. You do have money. If you say, this is the first part of the month. I'm going to go ahead and give this to God. I'm going to give God yours right away. You say, but don't you have a mortgage? Don't you have bills? Don't you have those? Yes. But if you give God's first, then you took care of him. Seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm a testimony that I put God first, and then I've exceeded the tithe. I've more than exceeded the tithe. Over my last two-year W-2s, I've beyond exceeded it. And God has still taken care of me. And God has still provided even though, yes, my car broke down last week and still needed $5,000 worth of work. And then you say, well, it's a car from 2013. Is it worth $5,000 work? No, I couldn't get $5,000 worth of, for the car. So you have to use wisdom on certain things. But understand, when you and I have stepped out of it, it's because we are under this, it's, it's the law. But God is saying, no, love requires more. So the tithe is the floor, not the ceiling. Generosity is where I keep growing. Jane and I have decided we're gonna be generous and we didn't just decide we'd be generous with our church. We'd be generous with others and other people and other ministries. And it's not just about what we want so we can give back. Or you and I could just say, no, I'm just gonna hoard it. I wanna wrap it up. We're way over time. I was having breakfast with my brother and his CEO. His CEO is multi, 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 multi millionaire. Very wealthy guy. And we were eating at the fancy establishment of Bill's Cafe. Come on, Bill's Cafe. And the waiter came over, and she had an attitude. Oh, man. I was just like, oh, my goodness. If this lady knew who was sitting at the table, right? And she just threw down the menus. What do you want? And we were polite. And you're nice. Obviously, obviously, the lady's having a bad day. The food came out in Bill's Cafe. is usually pretty good food. But it was just served. She just didn't care. You know, spilling the coffee when she poured it. Just had an attitude about everything. Everything just irritated her. And it was like we were the problem, even though we were the customer. And we didn't give her a hard time. And normally, I'll be honest with you. Normally, when a waitress like that or a waiter like that brings me the check, the tip is based on their performance. I know you're supposed to give 15% or 18%. But I don't go by that. I go by how was the service? Because if I want to give way more than 15%, I'll give more than 15%. How was the service? But I had listened to that morning, not to a pastor, not to a Christian, but I was listening to an atheist who's well known. And he said, whenever he goes out to eat, Whatever the bill is, that's how much he tips. The service can be terrible. Service can be great. Doesn't matter. He says, whatever the bill is, that's what I tip. And I was like, man, what if Christians did that? And I said, wow, what a lady to start with. I was like, the tip I want to give is smile. Be happy. That's the tip I wanted to give her. But I looked at it. And I was like, all right, our bill's about 60-something dollars. I said, oh my goodness, she's probably gonna make about 60 bucks on her shift. So, sure enough, I write the amount, 
exactly what the bill was. Hand it to her. She leaves. And then she comes back and she's mad. She throws it down, says, you filled it out wrong. <laughs> and Jose, I was like, I wanted to be like, yes, you're right, I did. Zero. That's what I wanted to do. I, wanted, I, that, I had had at that point. And then I said, no, I filled it out correctly. That's your tip. And then she just broke down. And she said, are you serious? Started to cry right there at Bill's Cafe patio. And she said, my car just broke down. I got yelled at for being late. I'm brand new to the city. I'm out here just trying to help some family. And I really don't like this job. And I know I was super rude to you guys. And you tipped me exactly what the bill was. And she asked this question. She said, who are you? And at that point, God opened the door where I could say, I'm a Christian. I go to this church and we would love to have you there because we feel like this is how Christians should behave. And then she was like, I've never ever had Christians treat me like that. My friend, even though that was probably the one of the worst service experience I'd ever had, do you know how good I felt walking out of that Bill's Cafe? It was incredible. I was doing a little, little jump. 60 bucks. I could afford 60 bucks. I can do that. And the impact it had on one person, oh, I got excited. I said, I want to do that again. And I want to encourage our church. You can only do that when your financial future is secure. If you have $10,000 or $5,000 of credit card debt, I'm going to tell you this. Tithe to God first and then start working on the debt. And we're going to talk about it. Because there is something, a direct connection between debt and the devil. Because both of them are bondage, are they not? That's week number one. That's week number two. Come back. There is a tie between debt and the devil. And many of us are bound by it. And that's next week. And so if you know a friend who's in bondage, I need you to understand there is a tie to those. And I want to deal with it. But I want our church to be inspired that we can have huge impact. And it starts very small. And now whenever I go to that Bill's Cafe and I see her, oh, I get the best service now. Oh, it's great. I don't get no spit in my cup anymore. She doesn't drop the silverware and step on it and then hand it to me. It's great. Food tastes way better. Doesn't have some salty stuff, you know. I don't know what it is. It's, it's way better. I'm telling you, guys, God wants you to understand that there's rivers that can flow into your life. God doesn't want you to be broken, broken. But it's gonna start with you and I changing our behaviors. And this is the hardest thing. Because we all actually know how to make money and lose weight. We know how to do it. Let's be honest. We don't want to. Because spending money is fun. Gluttony is fun. And that's why we get into it. 
But God has a different mindset for us. So I want us to understand that God is doing some powerful things. Ushers, can I invite you to the front? I want to, I'm way over time, but I need to give everybody these cards. Ushers, can you, I, I need a card actually, but then I want to ask us to pass out these cards. If you were at the Vision Gala, you got one of these cards, but I want everybody to take this card. This is, we're going to, this is a card I want you to pray over. We had our best year ever at our Vision Gala. It's our seventh annual one. Ushers, please just pass them to everybody. I, I, I don't want you to fill this out, but I want you to take this home today. We're not going to fill this out, but I want you to have one and take it home. We had our best year. God did some miraculous things. I was personally nervous as a pastor because even though our building's not done and built, I was thinking that our church was not motivated to build on our property anymore, is what I was thinking. Now that thought was nothing that anybody had shared, nothing anybody had said. It was just what I was thinking. I was like, well, we're in a building. People aren't going to be motivated to give. And so I was praying that God would provide $500,000 at our vision gal on Thursday night. That was my prayer. I said, God, would you allow us to raise $500,000? Jane was also praying for a number, but she said, I'm not going to tell you my number. But she did add, she said, I bet mine's bigger than yours. And I was like, fine, I see how it is. And so I was thinking, all right, God, this will be a, a stretch, 500,000. I mean, last year we had a big offering and I, I, it's, it's a lot and economic times are worse now, not better than last year. And then when the ushers came during the count and they brought the count, I was blown away by what God did because God did not give us 500,000. God did not give my wife's number, which was 600,000, so I was close. God did not give my 500 and God did not give Jane 600. What God did give was he took the 500 plus the 600. He put those together and he gave our church $1,156,000 on Thursday. Come on church, come on. That's incredible, incredible. That is just I, I, my mind is blown away that we would raise a seven-figure offering. Are you kidding me? A church our size? Are you kidding me? That's all God. That's God's goodness. And we get to be a part of that. And now that's a great offering, but you could see on our thermometer, that's what we raised and received. That's how much we paid off already. And we still have more to go. And I, over the next several weeks, are gonna start unpacking the vision of some of the miracles that God did this past week. And those that attended the Vision Gala, they got the preview of it, and we're gonna talk more about it. But here's what I want you, if you didn't get to go to the Vision Gala, my prayer is that everybody would participate. But here's the caveat, and I said it at the Vision Gala, and I'm gonna say it right now. If you have not learned the tithe yet, I don't want you to participate in a one-time offering. I want you to learn to give God his. And then when you've learned to give God his 10%, then you can start being generous because the tithe is the floor, it's not the ceiling. And it's so fun to look at my finances and to talk to my CPA and my CPA literally will wire back to me and say, oh, you messed up on the numbers. I'm saying, no, 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 those are correct numbers. I really did give that much away. He's like, I think you added an extra zero. No, I didn't add an extra couple zeros. Those are real numbers. And I love to think that the family my 
mom brought us up in, I mean, we were poor. It was difficult. And then to step back and to look at how much that God's allowed me to be able to give, it's now turned into a river. And I want that for everybody. I want your life to be a river that God just flows the blessing through and that God blesses others through you. It's, be, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so I want you to have a part in this, but I'm gonna pray over the next several weeks that you would say, you know what? And have a discussion. Talk to God about it. Talk to your spouse or significant other and say, we need to pray about this and we need to start doing the tithe and we need to bring that to God because I promise you guys, God can provide. God can provide over and above. I have seen God do miraculous things, incredible things. And I'm just so thankful that I get to see it. And so as we close, when Jane told me her number and I told him mine, you know, the only regret I had about Thursday night was that I didn't believe God for bigger. My only regret for you is that you don't believe God for bigger that you are believing God to just get you out of debt and you are not believing God to give you the house. You are not believing God to help you get financially independent where you don't even rely on your W-2. I don't think you're thinking big enough. I don't think you're thinking that there's a startup inside of you. I don't think that you're thinking that yes, you can get that degree. I don't think that you're thinking that yes, you can retire your spouse, that you can retire your parents. I don't think you're thinking big enough. And so in this series, I want you to think bigger. I don't want you to just do better. I want you to think bigger that God can have you do so much more because there's good ideas and then there's gonna be some God ideas that that idea can change things for you. I will talk about it, but it's amazing as I step back, I'm just like, how did God do this? And God wants to do some big things through you. And I don't think that you're the type that wants to stay right where you are. I think you want to see bigger and better things. So let's all stand as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just pray right now that you would bless our church. You'd bless these people. Father, there's so much to talk about when it comes to our finances. There's so much to go over, so much to cover. But I just pray, God, that you would help our church family to begin to see that there are some biblical principles that can transform our finances that can take us from a poverty mentality to one that is so radically different where we could be extreme with our generosity, where we can bless our spouse, we can bless our children, we can bless our friends, we can bless our ministry, we can bless kingdom causes, where we can do things we never thought possible all because we knew how to steward the resources. So Father, help us. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And we pray now for our Kingdom Builders offering on December 10th, even though you've already done way more than we could ask or think, we believe that you can still do more. And so Father, I just pray as we continue to look and study your scriptures that our hearts be open to this and that you administer. Thank you for our guests that are here today. Would you bless them? And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. amen. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. If this message inspired you and helped you, we would love for you to hit like, subscribe, or share it with someone today. Until next time, have a great day.